Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the Big Chill Podcast, The Cooler Situation. Hello, boys. I'm going to uh, jump right into this here. Uh, I had a pretty decent Sunday bet going that was thwarted by Luca hitting his game-winning clutch three-point shot at the buzzer. Uh, so I'm actually going to jump right into my top five because it pissed me off so much that I looked into it a little bit. And of course, Instagram was all over it. He is one of five players to ever hit the game-winning shot in a playoff game and also score 40 points. Eddie, we'll go to you out in Paris, France. Can you name the other four to do so? Oh, I'd seen the one stat, which was his 40-point triple-double. I think he was the third player to have a playoff 40-point triple-double. But I'm guessing that those players didn't also hit the game winner because one of them was Charles Barkley. No. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm assuming that when Charles Barkley hit his, had his 40-point triple-double, he didn't have the game winner. I would, I would guess that Jordan did it at some point. Jordan was one. I'd go Kobe. All the rest are recent. I'd go Kobe for one of them. Nope, Kobe did not do it. RIP. Go uh I'd go Steph Curry. Nope. Uh Damian Lillard. Yep, that's two. Uh James Harden. You're miss No, you're missing an easy one. LeBron James. LeBron, yep. And then the last one, it was a very crazy game winner. About think about seven bounces. Oh, okay. Um uh, for the Raptors last year. Um, yep. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, yeah. Yep. All had 40 points and the game winner. And, of course, that was my only loss in the bet. So that was awesome. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, I how, are can... you, how are you doing, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I guess we can talk about that one briefly because that was a really bizarre game because you had the Clippers up by a decent amount at one point in the third quarter. Then the Mavericks came back and kind of choked at the end of regulation and then in overtime you again it looked like the Mavericks were going to win the big three-pointer to put them up and I just don't I mean I said this to you separately but obviously it's easier said than done but I don't know how you let a player just have a step back three the player who's clearly going to take the shot like he was the only person on that court unless you left someone else wide open it was going to stay in his hands so I just don't get how you let him do that yeah, and wasn't there a lot of controversy too because uh, Kawhi Leonard chose not to defend him on that play? Yeah, weak. Yeah, I mean, not a great look for Kawhi. As, as one of the lockdown defenders in the league, it's a surprising move. Sam, how are you doing? I could have turned up late to this podcast. <laughs> I'm kind of annoyed I didn't actually pick some of the more obvious basketball players and sound semi-knowledgeable like, of the sport. But Sorry, I should have let you guess Michael Jordan. I probably would have shouted out LeBron and... Jordan, for sure. But that's just because the knowledge stops there. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, I guess for me, it was more about the football this weekend. Um, big game last night. Um, were we all happy with that? Yeah, Champion League finals. Bayern Munich won nothing over PSG. Pretty good game. Yeah, I thought it was think? a decent. I thought it was a decent match. I think Bayern deserved to to win. Obviously, PSG missed some pretty good chances. I mean, Manuel Neuer, that was the storyline to me because obviously Neuer, if he went back five years, was 
widely considered to be the best goalkeeper in the world. And then he seemed to really lose form with uh, probably low point being that match against South Korea in 2018, where he sort of needlessly just went wandering out of his goal. And it was interesting for me because Neuer in a way made his name in that kind of sweeper keeper. Yeah. Kind of coming off as his line and doing things you didn't expect a keeper to do. And then last night was just a display of him making very traditional good goalkeeping saves. So, so I have a quick question before we kind of get into it. I'll preface this by saying in the States, of course, it wasn't broadcast on national TV. It was on CBS Sports or something like that, which you don't get with a regular subscription. NBC Sports you do, but CBS you need like a special one. So the only channel I could watch it on was Univision, which is the Spanish channel. <laughs> so I got to watch the whole match, but I didn't really understand what was going on at points. So there was one, the one play I think is probably what you're talking about where uh, he had a clear shot and he made the really nice save. I didn't know if it was offside or not. Because it, it, was, it was offside. If it was the oh, one where it's just full, it, it fell to him like six yards out and it was yeah. one yeah. on one. But no one Mbappe. He still it, saved kind of it. Towards the end of the match, sort of. Yeah, yeah, he did. I think obviously Mbappe knew he was offside, so I don't know the level of yeah. effort he was okay. really putting into it. I thought but it was, but was, they never showed the official with the he flag was about, up. He was about three yards offside. Yeah, yeah okay, that's what I thought. But Bayern did such a good job last night of stopping Mbappe. You barely heard his name in the second half. Yeah. Second half, they did a good job. First half, obviously, he should have scored when that ball dropped to him in the box. Oh, I mean, to yeah. miss that, that chance tame. in the Champions League. That was and then, weak. I mean, between he and Neymar, they had probably three good chances to score. And I mean, how many chances do you expect to have in the Champions League final? Three. Uh, yeah, <laughs> especially playing against a tough team like that. I mean, they're not going to give you many opportunities. Like we've said previously, they're German, so they're super efficient. Are we calling this one the well-oiled machine as well? Yeah, this is, we'll change it to the well, well-oiled that, pod- podcast. Ad, actually, obviously, Frank, you wouldn't have got the uh, commentary, but um, BT Sport had, what was it, Fletcher and Steve McManaman. And I think two or three times they referenced Thomas Muller as the German stereotype. And then they actually later then called him not a German stereotype because apparently he's funny. <laughs> which I was like, they said that? <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, no, so they were talking about how he's like, he, he's just constant, isn't he? He runs around, he's, he's, he's literally just constant on the football field. And obviously they called that like German trait, you know, that never give up mentality, etc. But then they were talking about him like, oh, he doesn't really fit the German stereotype because off the field, he's always a joker and he's funny. And it's like, wow. Okay, so what you're implying is that everyone in Germany is completely boring. Well, it is. Germans are not famed for their sense of humor. That does have to be said. That is a German stereotype. It may be false, but it definitely is a stereotype. Yeah, but it's just funny that they use the German stereotype and then also saying that he didn't conform to a German stereotype either. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you, though, about the game. I actually think that it... It wasn't as clear-cut as the Lyon game, but for the first 25 minutes of that Bayern-Lyon match, Lyon had chances. They got behind them, they got around them, and for the first 25 minutes, um, there were a couple of clear-cut chances for Lyon. And PSG are better, so I think for the first half, they really did have opportunities to go ahead, and they simply but wasted them, whether that's be through Neuer's saves and Mbappe's pretty tame shot. But by the end of it, you just felt that when Bayern stepped up that gear and they started pressing and they started playing with a bit more urgency. All of a sudden, PSG looked pretty exposed. So, 
Well, they, you also have to give them credit because they made two attacking substitutions at a point in the game that you wouldn't have necessarily expected them to have made it. Oh, was that the Perisic-Coutinho? Um, Very strange because everything was going through Kingsley at that point. They were yeah. looks so good on that left and then they change it and it, nothing really affected by it. It's actually a really sensible decision in a way. Yeah, and, and in, in France, uh, Tuchel is getting a bit of a backlash for his lack of substitutions and his, his approach to the match in general and the fact that he maybe let the game drift away before he really tr- tried to make any changes to kind of claw back momentum, which might be fair. I just think the second half, Bayern were really kicked into gear and they just strangled PSG in that second half. And you can, if you're a PSG supporter, you just regret the fact that they didn't take their opportunities. As you said, same with Lyon. If Lyon had taken one of their chances in the first 20 minutes of the semifinal, who knows what would have happened. If PSG had taken one of their chances in the first half, things might have been different as well. Your, uh, go, your favorite guy. What, I was going to say, going back to what Sam said, with everything going through Kingsley, dude, he is fast. There was one play, I think, in the first half, maybe about midway through the first half, where the ball went down the left side, and he was five or six steps behind the defender and just blew by the defender. Like, it wasn't even close. He, he, he's like, only, he's only, only the third fastest guy on the pitch, though. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's according to him, but he's, he was the fastest clocked in, uh, in the league, in Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah, year. but he, claim, he says that it's no contest between him and Alfonso him Davies, and, Davies. And, that, and that Mbappe is faster than him, too. So. But it's yeah. that buy and left, right? It's Alfonso Davies and um, Kingsley Coleman. And also, I, I read a good article about uh, the thing with Kingsley Coleman is that for quite a while at Bayern, when he signed from PSG, he had to deal with the kind of Arjun Robin Ribery situation for so long. And now what they're saying is that I think Bayern are starting to create like a really good identity outside of those two with their wing play, with like Kingsley Coleman and Alfonso Davies on the overlap. It's, it, they're starting to look like a really interesting team. I mean, for sure, they're favorites to defend it next year, right? The only thing I will say is he signed from Juventus. but I thought it was PSG. Was no, it? PSG, then uh, Juventus, then... then... <laughs> Whoops. But he is from Paris. So they, they also have made note of the fact oh, homegrown that he was, hero. <laughs> he was the only Parisian who was happy with the result last night. But he did say it like really hurt him, the result. He said, obviously, oh, oh, sure. 100% Bayern. Yeah, as he's holding the trophy, as he's giving this interview about how sad he is. And taking his uh, cup winner's bonus. I'm sure he's really upset. Maybe he'll donate that to the city of Paris. Oh, I saw parts of it were on fire last night. Yeah, 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 as expected. I mean, win or lose, they were going to burn cars and and sort of loot a bit. So that was always going to happen. But yeah, they the Champs Elysees had its fair share of cars destroyed and elsewhere. But I mean, they ahead of time they were you know the police were out in force in key areas. Uh, even they've even learned well, after the hundredth time. <laughs> well, I mean, they do it anyway. I mean, the, the thing is, it's unstoppable, right? Uh, the the kind of bizarre scenario to me was that they. They opened the Parc des Princes, the PSG home stadium, so that people could attend to watch the game on a big screen inside the stadium. And that's always a weird move to me. Like I don't, I can't imagine a scenario in which I want to watch a match in a stadium that, where the match isn't taking place. I know people do it all the yeah. time, but I just don't get the appeal. Yeah, it's strange. Surely there's a COVID problem with that as well, right? I think they were all, they were supposed to wear masks and they were supposed to try and sit apart from the groups that they were in, but obviously that didn't 
necessarily happen. I love how French victories or losses with PSG always result in cars on fire. It doesn't matter how happy or sad they are, cars will burn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it's anywhere in France. I mean, you saw how seriously it was taken, the fact that Marseille banned Marseille, PSG yeah. colors on Sunday, so you couldn't wear them anywhere in the city. And then and it's the celebrations. Yeah, the the celebrate, were, it was like Marseille won the competition themselves. I mean, you might I argue that they that. were almost happier to see PSG lose than they would have been happy to see Marseille win. Oh, Frank, look it up. Look up the photos and the videos uh, in Marseille. They're, they're not tearing the place apart, but honestly, they're celebrating. But they're very happy. Well, yeah, they're watching that's... it, A, they're watching it in public spaces. So it's, it's as if it were, were a match, you know, as if their team were in the match. And then yeah. uh, they celebrate wildly. Yeah, actually, I had a few random comments that I was thinking of as I was watching the match. So my first one was, I get that they pump in the crowd noise and everything, and that's fine. I don't have an issue with it. Why do they have to pump in crowd noise that has whistles in it? Just to make it more confusing as to whether a whistle is blown on the field or not. Couldn't they just pull out the whistles? There was two or three times where I heard a whistle and I was like, oh, is that a foul? Oh no, that's just the fake crowd noise to confuse me. I didn't, here's, that... here's two things I have. I, I don't know who chooses the crowd noise. So I don't know if teams themselves kind of submitted, this is the, these are the chants that repre like most represent us. It would have been bizarre if it's like someone working for UEFA who decided this is the, these are the 10 PSG chants we're going to use. So there's that. The second thing, is it in the stadium? Because you can choose the TV broadcast that doesn't have the crowd noise. So how are they possibly removing yeah. the crowd noise if they're taking sort of, because you can still hear the players. So how are they isolating the player noise and removing the crowd? It must be that the crowd noise is only on TV. Yes, I, I think that is the case because right at the end of the game, um, the commentators are actually talking about how there is like a mini atmosphere because all of the coaches and the, the players and all the subs and all the kind of backroom staff were literally screaming. And they said they're actually developing some sort of a mini atmosphere. So that couldn't have been over whistling to the tune of 50,000 people in a way. You wouldn't have thought so. And yeah, those Bayern players were really loud. Yeah, like Thiago <laughs> was screaming. It was yeah. absolutely insane. It was kind of interesting. I mean, it's much more interesting than seeing random supporters in the stands. It was kind of... A, and also to see the difference, you saw the PSG players, there was the one player who was subbed and was immediately distraught with still like 15 minutes to go. But you could tell, they kind of cut to him, you could tell he was just disappointed with his own performance in the Champions League final and probably processing the fact that he'll never play in one again. So there was that there was that aspect, and then he was sitting next to just sort of very animated people who were still really into the match, and you could just see it so much more clearly because they're spaced out, and because they're the only thing they can cut to. Did you see that point where Tuchel almost got destroyed by a football? Because obviously his mobility is minimal. <laughs> like you, I don't know why he puts that, himself that close to the firing line on a that. Tool. That actually brings up point number two for me. Why do they make him sit on a cooler? Can they not that's, give him anything better? That, that's like, his choice. That is all his choice, no, I think. Come I, on, I wouldn't gotta, be surprised give him if a cushion, he chose a cooler. Give him like a cushion, give him something that swivels, like a swivel chair, something. I would imagine the <laughs> chair like I imagine chair. the chair would be against <laughs> regulations. Because basically they would say you can't put a chair outside of the dugout. 
So the the chair restriction is probably just they can't break the rule for him because then the, uh, the other manager could say, I also want a chair three yards from the, the touchline. Now, why it has to just be a cooler, I don't know. Maybe Eddie, it is since one of those. 1994, my family has had a little covering on a cooler for $15. You clip on and you can use it as a seat. How this hasn't made it down to them is beyond me. You should no, but that, that would be the issue. I think, I think if it took the form of an actual seat, they would say How about a towel, a really big towel then. Well, something it might be something to do with like he's sitting a on a rock hard cooler <laughs> it might be something to do with like a distraction because maybe there's like a depth to it like if there is a chair like eight to ten feet out from the technical area i don't know maybe a player running down the side might get a bit thrown off about where they are also and where they're how line hard is. do you think coolers are frank you're treating it like he was sitting on a bed of nails they're not comfortable to sit for 90 minutes i mean they're, they're not, not that uncomfortable feeling. And to be honest, if I was managing a team in a Champions League final, the fact that I was sitting on a cooler would be the least of my concerns. Well, yeah, because if you're managing his team, maybe. It's a pretty good team. Yeah. Well, I'll swap places with him if this is an option. My, my other thing I noticed was I think it's pointless to have half of the players wear masks, the other half not wear masks, and then to just celebrate at the end with half masks on, half masks off. Some of them aren't even wearing it. At that point, I mean, I don't understand what the rules are that one player has to wear a mask, but the player sitting next to him just doesn't have it on. I, I mean, think that point rule, just... I think the rule is if you're part of the match day squad, you don't have to wear a mask because obviously that means you might come onto the pitch anyway, so it, it's pointless for you to wear a mask. I had this conversation with other people in during the Premier League and stuff, and they were like, this is so stupid. Like, why are they bothering to wear them at all? I guess the reason they have to do that is they basically have to have a, a black and white rule of if you're not playing and you're in the stadium, you have to wear a mask regardless of who you are. And they don't want to be in a situation where they allow some players not to and then a, like a member of the medical staff isn't wearing them and then they say, well, you have to wear it. And it's kind of this, you get to this gray area of how do you enforce it. So I think it's basically, if you aren't a member of the match day squad, you've got to have your mask on. I, I think, think it's a, it's a public, it, I think it's a public perception thing though, right, as well. Uh, like, but I, I, but think I, I think people think need to worse. look like they are. I think that's worse for public perception that you have one guy on the bench wearing a mask and then five feet away, you have two guys not wearing masks. I mean more for the kind of absolute yes or no that Eddie was talking about as opposed to the, I, I guess what it looks like is probably not great, but yeah. I thought that was yeah, just, and then, and then they all go and celebrate on the, on the pitch anyway. You know, Wouldn't they have all been tested point? before the game anyway, right? They're in like a mini bubble in Lisbon. Everyone anyway. probably was tested. That, that, was that being said, uh, you know, I had a meeting at work today because we're trying to figure out what our policy will be going forward long-term because we're all still in remote. And um, we don't need to worry about the virus anymore. My CEO assured us today that the virus is mutating and that although it's becoming easier to catch, it's becoming far less dangerous. So we're, we're set. Oh, don't, 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 don't bother with a mask. Go catch the virus. Get the antibodies. Make sure you're immune, and then get on with life. I don't get why that statement would ever be coming from anyone that's not like in the medical profession. And even yeah. if you're in the medical profession, coming from anyone who isn't specifically researching the virus. 
Like yeah. it's even it's even ridiculous when you hear a, a random doctor making those statements who's just treating people, but who isn't actually doing research into the sort of like DNA strand of the virus itself, just making wild claims of like, no, no, for sure. I, I trust me. I know this. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing when we got our, I got my antibody test back and I was negative. That's when, that was almost as disappointing as losing a bet to a buzzer beater three at the end. It was, I was pretty defeated. <laughs> Wait, almost, almost as bad. So you're, you're more annoyed at not having coronavirus. No, no, no. I'm more annoyed at losing a bet than not, ah. than not having antibodies. Okay. But he also placed a bet on himself to ha- that he had the virus and he lost that one. It was, it was I doubled a double down. blow. Yeah. I mean, what's the, what's the match bet there, right? If you went up to a random person in the street and they, you didn't know them, they had no symptoms or anything, you just looked at them. Is there like a match bet you can do at the moment that someone may or may not have it? Probably not because that's a little bit... <laughs> little bit depressing but i I mean what what would the odds be on a random person having it that's an that's an interesting one like they have to be pretty low yeah even money you take even money if i give you if i say we go out on this street we pick a random person i would take even money money that they don't have it yeah yeah that's a i think that's a great bet i think it should be probably like one to five okay wait wait while, while Sam's trying to figure this out, one to well, five. Well, Sam doesn't believe in the virus, so Sam's like, "Wait, it's zero percent. What is? What are you guys talking about?" Okay. So I, I I thought that may have gone from the previous episodes, but no, I, do. I, never I, do. Forget, I never forget I my running. I don't jokes. know. Your your boss now sounds like a really sensitive yeah. guy. Sam what applied that, for Sam? a job at my company today. I was just gonna say his boss sounds what like a really great leader. <laughs> so all right. So as an American, this is a question I have for you guys as to what you feel about this. So watching the match yesterday, the one thing that obviously stands out, like it always does anytime he plays, is Neymar. Now, Neymar is a great player. He has a, some, a great highlight reel. You know, he scores some really nice goals. Given all of that, do you think Neymar is bad for the image of football? Because I can I tell you as an American, if I showed the clips of that match to another American who's, you know, watches soccer, like watches football occasionally, they would say like, oh my God, this is why you can't watch soccer, blah, blah, blah. It's, they're so, they're acting, blah, blah, Like it would just be endless. And you can see it. I mean, it's obvious and it's, it's, it annoys me even, you know, and I, you know, I've watched it for years, but do you think he's actually bad for football as opposed to his talent improving the game? I would say no. I mean, I don't like the way he plays, although it's obviously pretty commonplace in certain areas of the world anyway. And he's just the highest profile worst offender, if you see what I mean. But I think the people who want to see the sport that way and see Neymar as the embodiment of everything that's wrong with the sport would just find that, you know, they'd find evidence to support that belief no matter what. And it's true. There's, there's plenty of, of footballers who dive, who, you know, roll around on the ground when they've just been, you know, brushed, acting as if they just broken their leg. But my argument would be, you get that in every sport, that fundamentally in any sport, if someone, if an athlete feels like they can get an advantage or get a foul or get a penalty because of, by sort of exaggerating uh, the contact or exaggerating what an opponent has done. Not every player or every athlete will do that, but a significant percentage will. 
I mean, you can watch the NBA and you can see LeBron James run into a 6-1 point guard and he goes down as if you've just run him over with a bulldozer and you kind of think about the, like the physics that have gone into him falling over and it, it makes no sense. So I think there's people in every sport. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's bad for, I wish he wouldn't do it, but I don't think it's a net negative. I'm not sure how similar it is, but like sometimes I look at like pass interference in the NFL and it's sometimes it comes across as pretty petty and exaggerating, et cetera. Like, don't get me wrong. It's the referee's cool, obviously, but or the official's cool, but that comes across as a bit petty. The thing with Neymar last night, actually the first half I thought was quite unlike Neymar. The problem with that whole game though, was niggly fouls were breaking up the flow constantly. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Neymar is one of the most fouled players in the European leagues as well, because people not know that they're going to do that, but they're going to get under his skin by doing it. And you saw that in the second half where he had that 20 minute period, where it was a bit of a slight meltdown uh, between what, like the 60th and 80th minute. And you could show an American that 60th to 80th minute and you're fulfilling their argument, but you could also show the first 45 where he's getting up. He was shaking hands like the uh, Gnabry. Uh, actually it might've been early in the second half, but when Gnabry went in slightly, niggled on him on the back and he did just get up and accept the apology after a while but he did scream like that's the point so i i think like eddie said i think you can show things that benefit an argument with neymar yeah I, that you're right in put it this way in league in league oh, he is kicked on a regular basis i mean you watch most psg matches there are clearly defenders who go on to there thinking i'm going to kick him off the park one, because he's pretty susceptible to injuries, so you might get him subbed off just through that. Two, he does tend to lose the plot. Like he gets, if you can get inside his head, he, he'll just be so upset by the fact that he thinks he's been wronged that he'll either, com- which you saw last night, he then kicked out at a Bayern player and got himself booked. So in, in a way you say, okay, this is a fair swap. Like one of our lesser players has got booked and in, in exchange we've got Neymar booked. We'll take that every time. But he is certainly... Yeah. He certainly has legitimate fouls, you know, committed against him all the time. He just needs to get up a little bit. I mean, there was the World Cup, right? It wasn't, wasn't it worked out that he spent an average of 14 minutes a match or something on the, on the floor in, in the 2018 World Cup? It was yeah, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. But that was when he was at his worst as well. Yeah, and actually, Eddie, you bring up a, a pretty good point. You know, the NBA does do that a lot. I mean, they definitely milk fouls but the new rule i i think now in the nba is you can't complain over calls because didn't porzingis when he got ejected that game one or whatever game it was his first technical was that like he punched the air after a bad foul call on him yeah it's that weird american concept of they don't want you to show up the officials so you're allowed to come you're allowed to complain you're just not allowed to sort of be disrespectful in your complaints yeah and look in in european football in world football they could do with referees being much stricter on and that's kind of what i was that's why i was kind of bringing it up because i think that would cut some of the issues out is if you know let let all right let neymar roll around a little bit but then don't let him get up and then complain for four minutes in front of the ref and then have three other players come over and complain like that to me is almost just as annoying as the rolling around is every time something happens, 
the first reaction is three players to run up to the to the ref and start like waving their hands in the air. And it's just, yeah. yeah, and they could fix that. And look, the, the annoying part about that is every once in a while you get a referee who tries to enforce that for about one match. So it's the same with diving, right? You'll get a referee who books a player for diving. Sometimes they even get that wrong. So they book a player for diving when it wasn't diving. Maybe it wasn't a foul, but he what didn't dive. And you'll get them do that for maybe one match. And so then you almost feel like you were unlucky to be the one to have been punished. And then the same with sort of crowding around the referee and trying to put pressure on them. Sometimes you'll get a referee who every once in a while will book a couple players for doing that. But you know if you do it the next match, the referee's not going to do it again. I mean, as one so, of you, when you talk to people who, who you know, are rugby supporters, because in rugby there's such respect for the referee and the decision that he makes. And there's, you, know, you can't cross that line at any time and you always get whenever you watch a football match with rugby supporters they're always kind of going oh why can't they just referee this like a rugby match and make the ref make players call them sir and make it if i make a decision the decision is final you don't speak to me you don't question my decisions only a captain addresses me all those sorts of things and it would be great if they did that but it that ship sailed yeah <laughs> they're never ever going to be able to get that back yeah yeah and um, the other part with neymar too i think was after the match I mean, is that genuine or is that him just acting like an eight-year-old child who can't control his emotions? I mean, I mean, just... it, was, it was a little much. Uh, it it <laughs> was as if his family died in a plane crash. I mean, he, like, his face was just blank and crying for 20 minutes. It was also a little much for a player who's already won the Champions League. I was just thinking that, like, he has won it with Barcelona. <laughs> that was the other thing. I could understand some player towards the end of their career thinking this was my chance and it's gone yeah. and I'm going to retire. 25 years in the making, like, this is yeah. it. This was now I'm retiring, shot. I'm never going to win it. Or even if you were a PSG player who kind of, even if you weren't that old, you started to run through in your head, do I ever have this chance again? And if you're never going to play anywhere else but PSG, then odds are you'll probably never play in a Champions League final again. And that's not being disrespectful to PSG. It's just the reality. But for Neymar, it's just strange. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, all that I kind of took from it. Do you guys have anything else before we move on? Or? Well, I can give you a top five if you want. Okay. Really oh, quick one. Controversial. Well, so Kingsley Komen became the fifth player... I think to score a fifth French player to score a goal in a Champions League final on the winning team. I think he's the sixth player overall, or maybe the seventh player overall. Can you name? Whoa, whoa, whoa. a lot of numbers here. You're confusing me already. He's <laughs> the seventh. <laughs> he's he's he, he since the Champions League has been branded as the Champions League, say because obviously he had the European Cup before it, but in its format as the Champions League, I believe okay. he is the sixth player to have scored in a champion a french player to have scored in a champions league final can you name the other five am i in on this as okay. well or is this just a frank thing no let, both of let, you let me okay. throw a few out because i don't know many and I'm, then i'll I'm, let sam i'm gonna i'll let sam catch up for me i'll give well, you let me clue. just I, i've got one is zidane yeah zidane's one oh, of them. come on that was one of my choices that was like one of the three it's a hell of a I'll, I'll give you i'll give you one clue which is only one of them is still currently playing is Henri one? No. Didn't score in the um, Arsenal final. Is Pogba? No. Trezeguet? No. Only one is still playing. One is still playing, yeah. And he is still playing for the team for whom he scored the goal in the final. I was going to say Ribery, but that's not it. Is Ribery one? No. 
he's he's a pretty famous player i've got to say yeah it's it's amazing how few people i am now thinking he plays for a very large i mean obviously he plays for a, a large european club he also plays for france not Giroud. nope he would expect him to score goals though when he isn't playing football he is blackmailing teammates Oh, it's um. Oh, I can't think of his name now. Sam should know it. Yeah, he should know. I, it. No, I've I've collapsed. I my knowledge <laughs> just collapsed. Just I, the black. Okay, he uh, he plays on the same team as Gareth Bale, who also scored goals in the final. Benzema. There you go. Well done. <laughs> it was basically name a Thank French you. player who plays for Real Madrid. <laughs> yep. I mean, other than obviously you got Varane as well. But that's all I could definitely get. Um, yeah, I mean, so I actually think it's five in the era that it's been called the Champions League because I think so. Platini scored in 1985, but I think that would have still been the European Cup at that point. One of them I've never heard of as a player, so that was in 1993 from Marseille, a player called Boli. I don't, I, I, he rings no bells for me, but the other player, Sam, maybe you'll get him. He scored for AC Milan. He was part of the 1998 French World Cup winning squad. He played in England. It wasn't Desailly, was it? Correct. About time Sam stepped up. Slight redemption there. Slight. I mean, that was more difficult to get than <laughs> saying a player who was famous <laughs> for blackmailing teammates. I actually forgot about that story, though. I, I, I couldn't. It took me a second to think of who it was once you said that. All right. Let's go to a real sport next. Badminton? No. <laughs> uh, let's go to the hockey. And we officially have the results from the round one Frank versus Sam the Squid prediction. I have prevailed with six out of eight correct. My losses were the Calgary Flames and the St. Louis Blues. Sam went five for eight, a very respectable over 500. Five for eight, with his losses being the Calgary Flames the Washington Capitals, and who was your other? Oh, the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, but not not too bad. Um, no. Yeah, so the only thing, I mean, we really won't touch on it because I know none of you guys want to talk about it, but the only thing, Eddie, that I thought was pretty funny was the last Calgary-Dallas Stars game that Dallas won to clinch the series. Calgary were actually up 3 nothing in the first period, so if you were betting bet three six five, you would have automatically won your bet for Calgary up three nothing, and then they let up seven unanswered goals to lose seven three. So then you also would have automatically won your money for the Dallas Stars halfway through the second period. So either one, either team you picked, you would have automatically won either in the first or second period. And I can't imagine that happens very often where both teams get like an automatic win from bet three, six, five for beating like their three goal threshold or whatever. You wouldn't think so in any sport. That was a pretty crazy game. And to let up seven unanswered goals is one of the more pathetic things I've seen in hockey. Um, So, yeah. So now we have round two, which at this point, this is where I think hockey becomes one of the more, fun sports to watch because anyone can win at this point. 
there's so much parity in hockey that even the number one seed, I mean, I have one of the number one seeds going out this round. So, you know, I think anything can happen once you get to this round with you have eight teams left. Well, it's good that you think anything can happen because obviously we the tricky situation. We decided that you guys were so close in round one that we were going to do the redo the head to head picks in round two. But we knew that obviously the round two started before we were going to record this podcast and to avoid any further controversy and Frank feeling as if he was being hard done by for picking teams that were already winning series. We made sure to get the picks in before any of the series started. So I had each of you text me your picks. Um, without... You caught me at the worst time. Yeah, when so, you... <laughs> so Frank sent me his full picks, including what he thought the series scores would be. I then immediately texted Sam asking for his picks, which I believe Sam was on a night out at the time and probably had had several drinks. So Awesome. Any, That's correct. Any, any NHL knowledge that he may have amassed in round one had probably been sort of blown out of his brain by the time that he was making his <laughs> yep. picks. These so are the definition of random again, because I, Too I many was... Peronis and Calamari. Exactly, yeah, he's out <laughs> celebrating. But the interesting thing about it is, because obviously round one, in both the NBA and the NHL picks, uh, in the end, Sam kind of picked the same things that we picked. Round two, this has not happened because you two oh, have right. not agreed on a single pick. Wow. All right. So let's go through them then. So first one, Eastern Conference, Philadelphia Flyers versus New York Islanders. Flyers one seed, Islanders six seed. I took Islanders in six. I love the Flyers. I think they're a good team, but I think this is going to be the upset. If there's an upset in this round, I think this could be it. The Islanders play boring hockey, so they could knock them out. So Sam, Sam, has, Sam has taken the Flyers. So he learned from round one his mistake. Yeah, they knocked, they, they knocked my boys out. I've got to go with them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, game one is to tonight, actually. So. All right. Then the next yeah, one oh, in the on. Eastern. Sorry, sorry. Just a quick thing there. So, Eddie, whose advantage so far? Where's, where's your money on each of these as well? I mean, I, I obviously don't know enough to possibly tell you, but I guess you'd argue that you're the advantage because you've picked the higher seed. So if things go to four. I can tell you the odds of the series. Yeah, we can look at the odds. I mean, so the Flyers must be favorites, right? Yeah, I, unfortunately, I have to do this in American betting, but the Flyers are minus 140 to win the series. Wow, drunk okay. Sam, the squid is up. Okay, next one is 2C Tampa Bay Lightning versus the 4C Boston Bruins. I actually have taken the lower seed once again and went Bruins in seven. And... Sam took the higher seed, but I believe the Bruins won game one last night, didn't they? The Bruins won game one, three to two. Good game, though. Yeah. So. And to open it up, the Bruins were actually favored to win this series, surprisingly, even though they're the four seed. And I'm pretty sure the Lightning have beat them in the regular season most of the games, too. But that's going to be a good series. I think that could definitely go the distance. All right. Then we move to the Western Conference. The Vegas Golden Knights versus the Vancouver Canucks. I took the Vegas Knights in five, and I think five might even be stretching it. They could sweep this. Yeah, this is the one that Sam has almost certainly lost. And he, he went back to his normal approach of just taking Canadian teams and, <laughs> and relied that Vancouver would get the job done for him. But this is, this is going to be the thing that makes it difficult because like, um, Vegas has already won game one, right? Oh, yeah. 
five nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it they was were, a massacre. <laughs> they were already favorites coming into it. So the Canadians won a game five nothing as well. FYI. Wow, this guy. <laughs> Wow. Hardcore Canadians (laughs) fan here. Why didn't you bring that hockey knowledge to that pick is the real question. (laughs) You must see something in that young Vancouver Canucks team. You know, the real reason reason Sam should be a Canadians fan anyway is that he's once gone on holiday with a very big Canadians fan. (laughs) That's very random. (laughs) When we went to Blackburn together, uh, we went with Pascal, who is French Canadian. He is a Canadians fan. French Canadian, right? He also, yeah, he also passed on the one bit of the good piece of hockey trivia that I can never forget, which is that the last player in the NHL to not wear a helmet was McTavish. Craig McIntosh. Yeah, McTavish. And <laughs> Craig McIntosh, yeah, McTavish. That was, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to I edit that one out wrong. to save you, Frank. <laughs> but uh, because I only can always remember it because Pascal, whenever he would sleep with a girl without wearing a condom, would refer to it as going McTavish. <laughs> and for the rest good. of for the rest of my life, I will always remember <laughs> the final NHL player to not wear a helmet because of that fact. And if you listen to this podcast, probably a great way to remember it. And I will say this: it has come up on a pub pub quiz for me once. He played forever too. He was like forty five, I think, when he retired. Yeah, because he no retired helmet. in like the 90s, didn't he, or something? Yeah, he played and he was just grandfathered into the no helmet rule. Yep. God, what an idiot. <laughs> He's currently a vegetable back in Edmonton. <laughs> and now, ironically, well. he has to wear a helmet all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, and then the last series is the number three Dallas Stars versus the number two Colorado Avalanche. I took the Avs and six, and I'm assuming Sam took the Stars. Sam took Dallas, yeah. And Sam, you are up one nothing in this series. So mm-hmm. what I'll say is this. If you take Sam's picks right now and you combine that as a bet as to who wins the series, for Sam, it would work out to a... 79.7 fourfold. Well, because now because now Vancouver's got to be what? Like 12 are, to 1 to win? They're 7 to 1 to win the series after game 1. Yeah. They so started off 2 to 1 already. So that's the big swing in your odds. If you take uh, Frank's fourfold, it's, it's 6.03. Yeah. So it would say that the bookies think Frank is going to win this one. <laughs> the bookies are right now agreeing with me. But actually, that's not true, though, because I, w- I wonder. So if you eliminate, if you eliminate the one series, yeah. then yours is a 5.53 treble. And if you put in uh, Sam's, it's 9.96. So okay. you're still the favorite, still in, the, favorite. in those other three series, but not by as much. Yeah. I don't feel, I, I have to, like, I don't feel super, super confident just because, like I said, anything can happen once you get to this round. All these teams are good. Except the Canucks, I can't see them winning. Because obviously the, interest, that, <laughs> the interesting one is the Stars won game one, but Colorado yeah. is still favorite to win the series. Yeah, really? Wow. Yeah. 1.8 to 2.05, so it's not like they're a heavy favorite, but they are yeah. still favorite. Yeah, they're. I mean, the, Colorado's a good team. They're deep, so I wouldn't be surprised if they come back. I remember sending in the picks, and uh, the message I got back was just very interesting. <laughs> oh, I was so happy when you sent those picks and I realized that neither of you agreed on a single series. I was over the moon. 
That's awesome. That might never happen again in the history of podcasting. Probably not. A somewhat knowledgeable hockey fan versus squid. squid. (laughs) Completely different things. An intoxicated squid. Yeah, so actually the the other thing about the NHL, I was listening to an interview today and they had on one of the funnier guys um, in the NHL who plays for the Flyers talking about the life in the bubble. And I just thought it was kind of funny and if how long you guys could last doing this. So this is his average day, he says. He wakes up, goes down, gets breakfast, comes back up to his room, plays about two hours of video games, two to three hours of video games. Oh, then so far. They, go, they go to their afternoon skate or they'll just kind of like skate around, like stretch out, things like that. Then they'll come back for lunch. Then after lunch, he usually naps for about two hours. And then from there, if it's a game night, they'll then go back to the stadium, eat dinner, and then prep for the game and then play their game. If it's a non-game day, then after the nap, they usually wake up play about two more hours of video games and then they decide to go outside and they have, at least in Toronto, they're set up next to the Toronto FC. They're connected to that. That's within their bubble. So they can go out onto the soccer stadium and they'll usually set up there to play like bocce. And they've been playing crazy games of bocce ball at like anywhere from a hundred to $300 a game. They'll bet when they'll play. So they're doing bocce tournaments for three or four hours then come back in, they eat dinner. There's two restaurants in the bubble, but they have VIP people who will pick up dinner at any restaurant in Toronto that you want. So you just tell them what you want, they'll go and get it for you and bring it back, any restaurant, no matter the price or where it's at. And then- I mean, assume the usually... player's playing, paying for it, right? Yeah, yeah, I assume they're paying for it, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean like- Hey, VIP guy, go to this expensive restaurant and pay out of your own pocket <laughs> and bring it back, you little bitch. No, but what I, yeah, exactly. But I, what I'm saying is like, I think every, every place in Toronto is kind of on board with it. Like he said that they've gotten, like, there's this really nice sushi place that everyone who plays in Toronto has to go to. And they said like, there have no issues delivering for them and stuff. Um, and then after dinner, they'll usually I mean, watch I the mean, late show. Yeah, I mean, now we know who we're being. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they? Who's ever heard of takeaway sushi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then they'll usually watch the late night games and then go to sleep and repeat. So to it's be pretty perfectly, much, go ahead. To be perfectly honest with you, sign me up. Everything in that day basically sounds perfect to me, aside from the napping. The napping is the only thing that you put into that schedule and, that I wouldn't do. And swap out the skates for land rollers. Sure. Yeah, that's the but, other issue, though, Eddie. You don't nap, but you don't do any like athletic or, or endurance type of activity in your yeah. day <laughs> in my average day no because it's not my it's not my job i can just imagine eddie like everyone's doing their drills and that eddie's just clinging onto the side as he's kind of going around yeah no obviously i would not but here's the thing is assuming i also get their salaries i'll, I'll happily get on a rink and embarrass myself so i guess the downsides that he says are one you're obviously surrounded by the same people every day for weeks on end. And then two, if you have family, you're not seeing your family. That's probably now, I don't a... know if he, if Kevin Hayes has family, 
I think he does, but I guess he doesn't really care too much if he does. <laughs> I mean, no matter what, right? Most people have some element of family, even if it's their parents or yeah. something. Like, there's someone who you would normally see over the course of three or four months that you're not seeing. So, so I, I get that element. I'm not saying it's perfect, but as, as we said on the previous podcast, it just sounds like a summer camp for millionaires. And that, that sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like, and I think being in Toronto, like being in a really nice city must be even better, even for, just for that food aspect. I mean, just being able, because I mean, I've lived in Toronto. I know that there are so many good restaurants to be able to be, you know, I want one of the best burgers in North America, you know, go get this for me. And they will. I mean, that's, that's, I feel bad for the people who are in Edmonton because the best burger in Edmonton might be a, a McDonald's. So it's a big discrepancy there. But the other cool thing he said was that there's at least three other teams in the hotel with you. And hockey is one of those sports where at least now they can be very competitive on the ice, but off the ice, they seem to all kind of be somewhat friends. I'll bring it because we seem to bring him up every podcast. I'll bring Roy Keane up and just say Roy Keane would hate that. Really? Oh yeah. Roy Keane, the idea of being friends with the people you compete with, even the idea of being able to separate like on the pitch versus off it. He's like, why would you want to be friends with people who you're dedicating your life to beating? See, I don't get that though, because there's other types of competitions where they are your teammates. Like a lot of these guys play for team Canada together. So whenever they're international competition, they're, they're teammates. Well, so, Roy Keane solves that problem. He went to the only World Cup in his career and, and, and told everyone to fuck off and left. There you go. I say that. You know, Did he go to the 94 World Cup? Maybe it was the second World Cup of his career. But either way, he went to the World Cup the only time he was expected to actually be part of a decent team and left before the tournament started. Even if I mean, the stories, I don't want to come out because I know someone will listening will tell me I'm, I'm not telling that story accurately. I know that he fundamentally left because he didn't think the training facilities and their equipment were up to scratch for a team competing in the World Cup. And he didn't get along with Mick McCarthy. And those two things boiled over into him saying that he would leave. But so it's not quite just because he couldn't like, he didn't like his teammates, but it definitely didn't help. Yeah. So the other aspect of it is the video game he said they play the most is COD. Oh yeah, you hear that? I was watching last late at night. Last night, I was watching uh, a baseball game. I was watching the Angels play. Uh, well, I can't even remember who they were playing. The Braves, and uh, Freddie Freeman, the Braves player, was mic'd up, which is kind of interesting because Freddie Freeman actually had a really bad case of COVID nineteen, to the point that he said he had a few nights where he had a fever, was struggling to breathe, and his body was aching, and he had a few nights where he genuinely thought he was going to die. Damn. So he's, he's been one of these athletes who's come out and said, look, you think it's not only affecting old people. He's a guy in the prime of his life, basically as fit as you can be. And he, he said he was spending times at night just praying that he wasn't going to die. And, uh, but, but it was kind of How funny. How is this linking to Call of Duty? <laughs> well, yeah, just, just uh, get a, well, because people die in Call of Duty, you know? <laughs> Maybe maybe conspiracy theory when you kill someone in Call of Duty is the cause of death listed as COVID-19. COVID, yeah. Yeah, Sam probably thinks that. Oh, this is how they're getting those death numbers up. <laughs> they're counting Call of Duty Still kills. Stop padding your stats. Get on yeah. with it. Seven kills, but all COVID caused. I love the idea that an assist is a cough. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, oh, I've licked my gun before I dropped it. That'll get them. 
but he uh he um he was saying so because he was mic'd up and he plays first base so obviously they like talks to you know they kind of get him mic'd up as a guy gets on base and they talk to each other or he plays third maybe a third but um he was he was standing there and one guy was like the guy got on base and he's like oh so what do you do during your lockdown and he was like war zone he was like yeah me too war zone at least three hours a day just war zone <laughs> and every athlete you know just like constant war zone it's just the only thing they do so the war zone right that's the one where you have like a team of four and you play against like a ton of other people yeah it's one to four you're in a you're in a map and it's basically like last man standing wins yeah and then if you lose people. you get put into the thing where it's like one one v one right the gulag, the gulag. yeah the first time yeah, you die a- what he was saying, it there was there must be like one player, one player who's just so so bad, and he gets put into what is it called again? The gulag. The gulag. Yeah, the gulag, and he never wins in the gulag. He's like oh for seventy five in the gulag. That they might be. That might be Jake. No, to be fair, <laughs> if we're really going to call Jake out, play for the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> no, if only. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we have we do have one friend who friend of the show who's also a listener who plays Call of Duty with with uh, the two of us, Austin, and uh, playing Call of Duty with Austin's a special experience. I don't know if he even knows which way to hold his controller most of the time. Yeah, is it like the Office episode where Jim oh. tries to play with it in the office and he he's just like in the corner like going up and down against the wall and like shooting his teammates. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, Austin watched that episode of The Office and thought it was like a guide to playing Call of Duty. Should we give his um, gamer tag a shout out so random people add him? Yeah, if you want a game, Mr. Moderator, just just add him on Activision Friends and give him a game. He has PlayStation, so you can probably add him on the PlayStation Network. What a terrible yeah. handle! I don't know. Part of me, I actually like. Yeah, it. the problem like for me it. though is because like because I'm British as well. There was a fitness guy in like the '90s, '80s here called Mr. Motivator. And so I just keep wanting to call him that. Well, yeah, I actually kind of like Mr. Moderator. I mean, it's I better. I think it's, it's better than what it's better than our perspective handles. So it just well, sounds like so average. That is why Austin selected it. Yes, I mean it sums up his his video game performances. To be honest, actually, average would be an improvement on his video game performances. So he's aspiring to just mediocrity. <laughs> Frank, you not got a console or anything? You you're not gonna join us on what's that? I have an Xbox, but I haven't used it in five years. It's free. I use it actually that's not true. I use it to play DVDs when I go to my red box rental and rent a movie. So the other the other part of the uh, NHL bubble that I wanted to bring up that we didn't talk about when we said our skill levels would be the bocce ball. Who would win out of the three of us at bocce ball? Could you explain bocce ball? Um, it's, it's like a patong. Yeah, pool. It not. It's like lawn bowls, but you throw it. <laughs> so, it, but you, you don't know, have to wear lawn rollers. Same same concept as lawn bowls, but instead of rolling the ball, you toss it and it bounces. But fundamentally, it's like her, it's like curling, but you're tossing a small metal ball instead of sliding a stone. I think you're really over explaining this. Well, I, you say that I, he clearly based on his face doesn't register what it is. Like, I think he, at the moment he'd be <laughs> like, Oh, a little so you're, ball, you throw at the it moment down, he'd be like, so you you're riding a horse on you ice. Get him to close. <laughs> it's lawn balls, but you throw it instead of rolling it. I'm going to say initially, I wouldn't be very good then. 
Yeah, Sam's at a serious disadvantage. You can roll it, though, if you wanted to. If I don't know what I'm doing with it. <laughs> There's a little ball that's, what, 30 feet away? And you have a bigger ball, and you have to get the big ball really close to the little ball. I mean, Sam, you're a ball expert. So wait, how is, no it, way not, you're not this how is it not just lawn balls then? Like you say, I'm, I'm still I think because Eddie's saying you, can, you, you don't have to roll it. You can like toss it and put like backspin on it and let it land. You don't, you don't roll it. No one rolls Some it. people do. Really? I mean, a little. Like you roll it a little. Yeah, you throw it so it then rolls. But you don't, in bowls, you like, you, you like lean down the ball, instantly rolls off your fingertips. Okay, well, if that were the case, then I would definitely feel confident over you. Because, because I haven't in, lost a bowling match against you in like four years. I, I, actually, would feel, I would feel okay about it, but I haven't... I'm a decent Patonk player. I'm not amazing, but I'm decent. That said, my only lasting memory really of Patonk is that when we used to do the 24 hours of drinking where we would stay out, we'd go on like a 24-hour marathon where you had to be out and you had to have a drink at all times, except when you were having breakfast when you were allowed to have orange juice. But... <laughs> during that one day we had to kind of we had this like three hour period where there were no bars and there were no no bars open it was like maybe 10 in the morning until noon we were trying to figure out what to do and we decided to go to this park and play uh petonk and then we decided that we would play a game of first to a hundred <laughs> and we thought this would go relatively quickly and about four hours later the score was like 48 45 and we called it were you able to drink while playing? Yeah, we had, we had, we, so we went to a old Roman uh, amphitheater that's in Paris where the middle, cause it's the sand pit is a, people play petanque there all the time. Oh, okay. Actually one of the best, if you're ever visiting Paris, it's one of those like hidden secret spots that people don't really know about. Oh, really thanks nice for taking me. It's in the fifth, um, really nice small little amphitheater. And on top of it, it has, cause it's a technically a public park. It also has free Wi-Fi. So if you ever want to like go and do work, you can sit in the amphitheater with your laptop and do work there with like pretty quick Wi-Fi. On the sunny tourism ministry, and, and watch middle-aged twenty-year-old men drunk off their ass playing petanque. Middle-aged twenty-year-old men. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Is that does, just does that mean that they're fifty that look like twenty? Or, or does it mean <laughs> no? That, that means they're not going to make dead. it. Yeah, I'm dead by yeah. forty. That was a very intentional. They're at the middle of their age, especially one of them that I know that was with them. He's, he's dead by 40 for sure. So he's wow. already past middle age. In fairness, one of the guys with us was also in his 40s. He's Eddie, dead when, now. When I'm, in, when I'm in Paris at the start of October, we'll do a stream of us playing. We Tom. can. I, I've, got a, I've got a set of balls. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you can suck on those and then we'll go play the song. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. So we can see which stream is more popular. Our gay porn career or our really unathletic sporting event. You might want to see if any of your friends have any sets of balls too that you can borrow. Yeah, we could call both of them Secrets of Paris and see which one gets more. <laughs> but yeah, now uh, <laughs> moving on from that, um, the yeah, I, I don't know. I think it would be an even game, but I, I would back my abilities. Yeah. That's the other thing I like about hockey players too. They seem to love gambling. So the mere fact that the one player said he had never played before. And then after two hours of practice, he was throwing 300 a game. is <laughs> just like, I, I love that. I love how competitive hockey players, I guess pro athletes in general are. They'll just bet on anything. They're degenerate gamblers who just happen to be good at a sport. 
All right. So anything else? Not really. I mean, we've, that's kind of all the, we've got some good previews. I, I mean, we kind of discussed earlier, we've kind of over the next few episodes, do a full Premier League preview, do a full NFL season preview. We've also got, you got the U.S. Open starting in tennis next week. So that will be an yeah. interesting one. ATP I saw tennis, tennis is, is back. It's back this week. They're playing, I think, what is normally the Cincinnati Open, but they're playing oh, it in New York. What a classic, the Cincinnati Open. Who wouldn't want to go to Cincinnati to watch tennis? You know, when I think of Ohio, I think of tennis. But they are, yeah, so I think they're, they're also playing that in New York just so that the players don't have to leave. Yeah. And I've been watching a little bit. The, th- the one thing that confuses me, so there's, there's seemingly no, the, like, I don't understand where the uh, line judges are sitting because they're making calls, but they're, I don't know if it's like a fake noise that they're playing and it's all being done by either by sort of a select few line judges sitting elsewhere or just based on Hawkeye automatically. But they're, I can't, for the life of me, I've watched a couple of matches. I've tried to figure out where they're sitting, but you'll hear the noise of them calling it out instantly. And then you can't see anyone anywhere. It's, it's mild, it's a little bit off-putting. So that's when, so that's next week or two weeks? US, the US Open starts next, I think August 31st. So nice. a week from today. Man, I'll tell you what, September is going to be awesome. You've got, yeah. you've got the US Open and then you've also got the US Golf Open. And then you've got Kentucky Derby. You've got, Hockey playoffs finishing up, basketball playoffs finishing up, football starting, Premier League starting. It's going to be the September of, of sports. Yeah. yeah, we're in that, yeah. We're in that kind of little lull at the moment. But then again, you've got the, um, the traditional curtain raiser of the English game, haven't you? You've got Arsenal-Liverpool uh, Sunday, I think it is. So it's crazy how we've literally just watched the Champions League. Then a week later, here we are going into the um, new season. Yeah, yeah I think I, we should definitely do like a deep dive for the NFL. Um, kind of give no, our. I th- I think Sam's right. I think what we can do for the previews of the season is basically do a team by team, like an episode just dedicated to the previews oof. of the season. Yeah. And obviously, we're not gonna we're not gonna spend as much time speaking about Aston Villa as we are about Manchester City, but just to at least cover each team's maybe expectations and maybe any any. Uh, just so we don't get the fans upset that we're being biased. Exactly. For, those, for the thousands of Aston, Aston Villa fans out there listening to us, we don't want them to feel like we aren't the source of content that, that you know, covers their team as well. I'll give you a good over-under right now. Or not over-under, but just give me what you think the odds are that by the time we do the NFL preview, the Washington football team has an official name. What do I think the odds would be? Yeah. 500 to 1. That they have a name. Yeah. So when do you think they're going to announce this name? Never? End of the season. End of the season? I you think that's what they said. The whole season? Uh, yeah. That's sure. kind of what they said, that this was going to be a placeholder name while they uh, had the time to put in the necessary effort into the sort of re- rebranding. Yeah, like putting, reprinting, redoing everything, literally. They're definitely, I mean, now they might, here's the thing is, they're not going to switch names during the season. That's a 0% chance. Now, as to when they will announce what their team name will be next season, it would surprise me if they did it during the season because it would just get swallowed, especially as they're going to not be great. It's just going to get yeah. swallowed up by other news. So it's going to be like, oh, well, the Washington football team has a new name. 
and the Washington football team is two and seven. But then what, <laughs> like, what are their jerseys going to look like? They've already released their jerseys for this year. Oh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, they've released everything. Their jerseys actually look say? pretty cool. It just cool. says Washington football team on it? Yeah, and they've got like plain helmets, but with the, the yellow or, you know, the, like, the maroon and the yellow stripe. I don't know how I missed this. For a moment, I thought you were going to be like, they kept the Redskins logo <laughs> and, just called them, and just called themselves the Washington. No, Club. they got rid of Redskins, but then, then they just loved Chief Wahoo from the Indians. So they've put Chief Wahoo on the side <laughs> of their helmets. Do you see that Washington football team, like soccer team that um, are now sponsored by Red Tube, the porn site? Oh, good no. <laughs> that'll That'll really bump up the image of the Washington sports culture. <laughs> yeah, and, and football in the US. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, here's the thing is, I don't dislike the name. What, Washington football team? Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't know why. No, it doesn't the, bother me. The pe- some people were really so upset neutral. of like, it's so stupid. Like you need, it's like, oh, you need to call yourself like the tidal waves and suddenly that's, that's cool. Like you're going to yeah. intimidate what, like what's the benefit like it's actually kind of good just to be known as washington versus yeah. i mean the only thing that sucks about it from a washington perspective is it runs the risk of confusing people that are from the state of washington and not from washington dc but they were never called the washington dc redskins no no you're right but people in the past have said because that was one of the arguments that they might change their name to the dc something because it does but the dc football team sounds pretty good actually yeah not bad what do you think the over under (laughs) would be on commentators calling them the redskins during the season see i think it won't happen because they're going to be super conscious about you know we i don't want to be the one who does this so i don't think it'll really happen i wouldn't be surprised if a analyst on a sports radio show would say it i could see Stephen a smith saying it 14 times i don't think Stephen a smith will say it. he's too much of a pro but i can definitely see some people yeah yeah, but i can definitely see i can definitely see uh some guys nfl players who are on on nfl nfl countdown or whatever i can see them being like well the redskins are really good uh uh, the washington football team is a really good team i I can definitely see that happening over under on that 99.5 yeah (laughs) Over the course of the season, what what about the actual commentary in the NFL games? I guess is the no, no way. No. You don't think? I mean, as we found out this, as we found out this week from the Cincinnati Reds coverage, American <laughs> sports broadcasters are just pros. So, are you giving me? You're giving me one or over on yeah on the actual Fox or ESPN? Yeah. The the if announcers you, themselves saying Redskins, I say, does not happen over the course of the season. If you set it at one point five, I would take the under heavily, because a lot of them are already prior to this year not using Redskins anymore anyway. So some people had already phased that out, even though they hadn't made the team name change. So some people had just switched to just saying Washington. So I think that people won't struggle that much. And also, they'll be helped by the fact that the Redskins aren't going to be good. So it's not, they're not going to be in the playoffs and they're probably not going to be involved in any big moments. So you're not going to be caught up in the thrill of a, of a Washington football team game and accidentally say, like, what a huge moment for the Redskins. That's probably not going to happen. 
So Sam, how tuned up were you for your picks? I'm kind of interested now. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was a pretty heavy next day. Um, I started <laughs> drinking probably about one. Um, and Eddie messaged me at about 9.30, maybe. <laughs> so I was so pretty, pretty good. What was funny though is, we were actually going around, um, so the London bar, the Katanyamas, which is in London Bridge. So we were going around there and we started asking people about the, uh, the infamous Dickel Bulls. <laughs> the what? You must have heard of that. You've definitely been posed the question before, Frank, but I, you weren't there for the origin story. The question is, if you were in a bar and a random guy is sitting next got to it, you. Got it, got it. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, <laughs> That's I, he, the way it. he said it. No, the way he said it, it sounded like he said Dick and Bowls. So it sounded almost like a person. I was like, oh, it's like a Charles Dickens novel. <laughs> but yes, uh, Dick or Bowles. Got it. <laughs> Sorry, I'll enunciate next time. All right, boys. Anything else we should uh, cover today, you think? No. We're going mean... to skip over Europa League final. No one wants to talk about that. No. No, I mean, screw it. Yeah. They're, they know how to win that competition. That's all that needs to be said about it. It, was, it wasn't a thrilling final, even though it had five goals. Congratulations to Lukaku. His, his finishing abilities, just a natural finisher, and he couldn't even stop himself in his own box. Just ball drops to him anywhere near a goal. He has to put it in. <laughs> just instinct kicked in there. Yeah, can't blame him. That's how you score, goal. That's how you score 30 goals a season. You just, you know, see ball, hit ball. It doesn't matter what goal it is. Yeah, I had the, I actually got to experience that a very nice way of driving two and a half hours with flash scores on and just, just driving and having the phone off to the side and just seeing my phone light up and wondering like, oh, I wonder what this is and having to grab it and take a quick peek. So that was, that well, especially was in the first half, right? Because there was a flurry of goals in the first yeah. half. Yep. Like the second half, minutes from the-, the, the second half was a bit dull and calmed down a bit, but I mean Lukaku. I guess the only thing we can say is it was a pretty even match. Lukaku had a chance to win it for Inter Milan not long before he then decided to. I say decided not long before he then scored an own goal. So he had a real. He went from obviously having scored the opening goal, which the fascinating stat. The only guess I think. I mean Lukaku scored in almost every stage i think for inter milan but also the player who gave away the penalty for sevilla gave away a penalty in the quarterfinal semifinal and final wow and not only that managed to be on the winning went on to win the competition yeah and i guess the only little other uh, other little bit of news that i saw was that uh uefa is officially considering having the final eight matches in future only be one-legged affairs yeah i saw that too yeah. It wouldn't come into it, effect until 2024, even if they did implement it, but that they are seriously considering having it be... Uh, but a neutral site, way. right? I don't know if the neutral, neutral site thing will stick, but they're definitely... Um, I didn't see that part of it, but they, they are definitely... Con- I don't think they'll do it, but they are considering it. All right, Eddie, before we go, let's just have you give one off-the-cuff hot take for our NFL preview who has the better season next year Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow Cincinnati, oh, Baker Mayfield. Cleveland 
Baker Mayfield, but, but I don't no, think no, 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 wait, wait, wait. But oh. no, but this, this, you have to keep this into perspective. Baker Mayfield is expected to do better. So that's with expectations. I'm not saying who's just going to have the better year. I'm saying going into this, you're expecting a lot from Baker. So who's going to have the better year as opposed to the more disappointing year? So I you think can't long be expecting term, much from Burrow. I think Burrow's long term is going to be a bust. Not in the sense that he's going to be Ooh. awful, but I don't think he's going to live up to the hype. Like, I don't think he's going to, I don't think 10 years from now we're going to be saying like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, not a bust. He's going to stay in the league. He'll be Andy Dalton. That's my prediction. He, he's going to so step they're just right replacing. They're yeah, just replacing gonna, Andy Dalton. Yeah. Just a non ginger Andy Dalton. But the, but I think the Browns will make the playoffs. So that's a pretty bold hot take. That's my prediction. Browns make the playoffs. Baker Mayfield uh, has a good year. Good year I mean, they, as it's, it's, top top five QBs in a league. Top ten. I mean, he went from having. I, here's the argument, right? In, in episode one, I think it was, or episode two, when we had that discussion of could Sam coach a major league baseball team. Freddie Kitchens coaching the Browns last year was basically putting <laughs> Sam in charge of an NFL team. So, so they, he's had a major upgrade from a coaching perspective. So you, can, you have to expect that the Browns get better and Mayfield gets better just from no longer having Freddie Kitchens around. That was just such an unbelievably poor choice. And the, the surprising thing is that I feel most people thought it was a poor choice right from the outset. When they hired him, I didn't hear really anyone say, oh my God, this is a great move. You know, look out for the, look out for the Browns. Everyone was very hesitant about hiring Freddie Kitchens as the head coach. And it did not go well for them. To me, it just reminded me, it it reminded me of when the Niners hired Tom Sula. And it was the same idea of like, oh, this guy is like a good coach. Everyone likes him and we respect him. And he's been like the defensive line coach for 15 years or whatever. So of course he's going to be a good head coach. And a, that the two things do not equal each other, but B, it's just, you kind of get the aura of a guy. Like the guy just doesn't come across as a head coach. He just doesn't look like that sort of person. And that was the case in Tom Sula. And it was, it was definitely the case in Freddie Kitchens. I mean, you could tell by after week one, when you're just watching Freddie Kitchens in press conferences and Freddie Kitchens like stand on the sidelines, that there was no way this guy was going to lead a team to a playoff appearance. And right, I mean, Sam, that's the I, thing. Cause that's, we talked about this. Like, I think if you're, a, if the right person and you put the right coordinators around you, your own knowledge doesn't necessarily have to be that high. But the yep. one thing you have to have is like that innate leadership ability so that people trust you and do as they're told and believe in you. And he definitely didn't have that. And understand how a clock works in the NFL. Cause he clearly didn't also, have that either. No, yeah. And, and, and basic play structure. Yeah. To know who's on offense and who's on defense. And when time runs out that the game's over. <laughs> All right, Sam, I'll, I'll toss one to you. So you don't feel left out. Give me your hot take on the premier league. Does Arsenal make the top five? Oh no, make that the top four. Don't, right, don't top four. To, top you, eight, you, know, you know what? Honestly, the fifth would have been the potential consideration. Uh, I don't think they make top four. Top five? There's, I think there's a case to be had for fifth. Yeah. 
I don't want I, this on the fence. That's not a hot take, Sam. Yes or no? I, I mean, you gave me... So basically what you're saying is, will Arsenal finish fifth? <laughs> yes. Will they finish fifth? Yes or no? I, I think if some of the players that they look like they could be signing do sign, then I think they'll finish. I think fifth will be a good season for Arsenal. But not fourth. I, I just think there are stronger teams that will strengthen. And for that reason... I mean, you, let's, let's be honest here. You're saying Liverpool and Man City are first and second. Then it's really a case of are Man U and Chelsea going to be better or improved? They've, you know, uh, Chelsea have already signed Werner. So I'm going to say yes, Chelsea are. So really, I'm going Man U v Arsenal. And at the moment, until these signings actually happen, I'm probably going to edge towards Man U. So that's, you've probably already got a bit of a preview there is what I think the top five looks like. But. I mean, to put it from a betting perspective, right? City are slight favorites. Liverpool just behind them in second. United are third at eight to one. Chelsea are 14 to one. This is to win the title. And then you have Arsenal and Spurs at joint fifth favorites at 50 to one. So that's reflective of A, their title chances, B, their chances of finishing in the top four. And it's basically Bookie's saying that it's a battle for fifth between Spurs and Arsenal. I, I, well, they're, they're interesting, actually. Like Madison just signed a new deal, and they're all talking pretty positively. I don't know what their odds are, but uh, the thing with Leicester is they are a hundred to one to win the title. And are they next after they're Arsenal? Next, and yeah, Spurs? and then Wolves. I think Wolves are Wolves. also a hundred to one. So there you go. There's a little hot take preview. My hot uh, take: they don't. <laughs> There you go. I, I have Spurs finishing fifth. Ah, see, fifth. we'll con- yeah, we'll contend that. But I, I think Spurs are a bit more of a train wreck next year than Arsenal. If you want my really hot take, and I think I may have hinted at this before, I think Arsenal United. Relegated? I think United might finish above Liverpool. Wow, let's save that, Eddie. Keep keep that keep that in the box. That's a big one. That's a direct shot to your hatred of Liverpool. Yeah, the guy just doesn't just like Liverpool. Don't I don't even know why. No. I don't, and I certainly don't like Manchester United. So let's, let's put both of those pieces of information out yeah, there. But, yeah, but Liverpool has ruined probably more bets for you in the past two years. And your hatred of that just boils over that now you just want revenge on them. And this is where this comes from, I feel like. No, I just think if I have to make it, put it this way, I, I, I wouldn't bet on United finishing above Liverpool. So I don't believe in it that strongly. But if, I had to, if, I, if it's my hot take of the year, that's my hot take. And I feel decently comfortable with it. Like, I think it has a very decent chance of happening. I think Liverpool will drop off a bit. I think United will get better. You want to know my hot take? Bournemouth opening day win. Want my hot take? Yep. Gone. City, city, don't lose. Oh, not this again. Oh, that's not happening. Don't lose, city, don't lose. All right. Well, until next time, we reach a big milestone next episode. So, stay tuned for our double digits. Yeah, episode ten. The the balloons, the flyers will be out. Might set some fireworks off somewhere. <laughs> All right. All right, well, I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one. See you. Cheerio.